All right. Yes, please keep coming in. Worship team friends, join a table. Um, we'd love to fill in some holes in the table, meet someone new. Um, we did leave some chairs up in the back maybe for our friends who maybe have a little cold or just need to feel comfortable with a little more space. We welcome you fully to be in the room and be with us too. So glad you're here. This We're going to be kind of low-key and casual this morning, right? And I... Um, so. Feel free to get up as you need to, um, help yourself. Uh, some of our friends, I think we're, you know, we're intimidating. This, the, you, some of our friends looked in and were like, too much, and kept walking, I think, right that way. But you know, the blessing's coming right here, friends. We're gonna have a good morning together. Um, and you know, together, you can see kind of this beautiful script. Together is such a gift. And I'll tell you what's also a gift, running a morning like this after uh, an amazing charcuterie event has just happened in the same room the day before that has made it beautiful. So props to Becky and Allie and Chrissy and Daisha for making a gorgeous space that we could continue to enjoy because it fits perfectly with our theme. So gathering, it's a gift. And we remember that to be Jesus followers is to be a people of the table, right? Jesus followers are people of the table. If you look at some of the earliest expressions of the church in Acts 2, um, we know that among other things, they devoted themselves. That's strong language, but they devoted themselves to the breaking of bread, right? To prayer, to the apostles' teaching. And Acts 2, um, 46 says, every day they kept meeting together in the temple. They broke bread in their homes. They ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily. And so we're a people of the table, and we're going to be around tables this morning as we continue in Ecclesiastes. And yesterday at the charcuterie event, get this the right way, how many times does she have to do it? Um, Allie Kramer wrote this beautiful spoken word piece that I just want to read again. And, and to honor Allie, some of you might have seen that her time serving on staff here at 3rd is coming to an end. And so I want to read this and honor her. And just to say, if, if Allie and her family have blessed or impacted your family some way over these past many years, take a moment and tell them how they've blessed you. Reach out to her and tell her that this week. So friends, come on in. Feel free. Grab some food. Grab a table. And I just want to share this poem as we begin, it's called Together. Come to the table, have a seat. There's one just for you, one that will allow you to be and eat. Come to the table, come gather and see. There's no one that looks, acts, or thinks exactly like you or me. Come to the table, come and be. Meet a new person, see how they see. Come to the table, come gather near. Time's not limited, linger longer and hear. Come to the table. Come meet the host, for he has a purpose for you. Listen close. Come to the table, invite others to come. Jesus has some things for us to learn. It's a lesson about how we were all created to be one. Come to the table, have a seat. You were invited, welcome, wanted, so come and be. As we go into our time, 
Um, I want to invite us, maybe, we're looking pretty good. Our, I like our tables are pretty full. Um, we have a few friends who can kind of commune in the back as needed. Um, I would love, can I invite our worship team folks to join some of these tables that have like maybe three tops or four? I see some open seats kind of right in here at this table. Great. Thank you. Because we're going to start with a little conversation and an opening. Um, and how we're going to begin is around your tables, you'll see some markers. And what I would like you to do, um, you're going you're gonna, to, I'm seeing my daughter drawing a phenomenal penguin um, right now, Phoebe, just to bless your artistic gifts. And that is great. We are going to be using the tabletop to draw, so just leave some space, girl, okay? Um, but someone grab a marker, and what I want us to do is, in an open space, maybe around that beautiful wooden centerpiece, I want you to write the four words that um, we're talking about are the kind of hallmarks of Sabbath, right? That's one of the key practices. So someone grab a marker and write kind of in the middle of the table, in little bigger letters around the centerpiece, these four words, cease, rest, Embrace and feast. And if you want to write it more than once, because we love to scribe, that's great. But write those words so you can all see them. Kind of on that craft paper around your centerpiece. All right, so remember as you're writing, those are, are the four kind of elements of Sabbath. And this morning as we continue in Ecclesiastes, my hope is that we're going to experience each of these um, as part of our Sabbath together, right? And that it might give you ideas of ways you can lean into some of those practices in your Sabbath times. And so how we're going to start is with feasting. Some, we, we have food. I mean, one of the ways that we feast around a table is with our eating and with our great conversation. And so to begin, um, someone, there's a candle at each table and a book of matches. Someone who might feel they are adept at striking a match from an old school book. One person, and, the, and you can tip the candle to light it. Okay, they're secure, so you can tip it. And I do have a cheater click lighter if we're stuck. Come find me. So we're going to light our candle. Right, we remember light. God who created the light of the world. And then around your table as the candle is lit, would someone who, maybe you have a table prayer that's important to you or your family, a simple table prayer, I'm going to give about 30 seconds and invite one person around your table to say, I'll, I'll pray a simple prayer, right? So in my home we prayed, come Lord Jesus, be our guest. To us, these gifts be blessed. Amen. Okay. So if you have a simple table prayer, would someone volunteer to pray around their table as we begin? Go ahead and pray. You could say the same prayer. <laughs> oh, I love that. I, I want to learn all these prayers. I want to find them. This is amazing. 
Oh, so good. So where we're going to go next is we're going to eat. Some of you have already started. Um, you can get up and get more food, bring it to your friends. But as we eat a little bit, we're going to ask a kind of a warm-up question to feast together. And the question I want you to answer, just go around your table. Someone start and go right around. What's the food that reminds you of home? Okay, whatever that means to you. Maybe it's a food important in your ethnic or cultural tradition. Maybe it's kringla or maybe a, a pan dulce, concha, or pan de sal, right? Maybe it was that amazing jello salad, that weird combo, but just reminds you of that like family dinner. It doesn't have to be a great food. It could be a weird food, but some food that reminds you of home, okay? Someone start and then go around the table and share. And if you're in the back, talk to each other, find each other, enjoy. See, now some of you are like, mm, I would like to taste that food that is important to your family. Like, hmm, I love that. Well, we learn something about each other. Right? We, we feast together and we embrace one another, right? As we um, look in each other's eyes and hear the stories and the cultures and the customs and practices that are meaningful to us and our families. Um, and as we think about feasting and embracing, we also, you know, the ceasing and resting is so important to you. And we're going to do a little activity now that takes us into a posture of ceasing. And in this case, ceasing in the sense of we're going to be releasing, relinquishing, confessing. And, you know, if you've been with us in this Ecclesiastes series, um, there is a word that has been repeated throughout the text and the word in Hebrew is this hevel, okay? You can see the, the Hebrew um, and the English there. And what I want you to do first is I want you to grab a marker from the center of your table, and in front of you on the craft paper, you're going to have your own kind of space to draw and write. I want you to take a marker and just write the word hevel in front of you, whatever font and script. We're not all beautiful, like... Calligraphically gifted, you know, like up here, but just write the word. And you've got a few different markers and colors around you. We're going to actually, for our ceasing exercise, we're going to do kind of a short version of this praying in color tool that we were given in our Sabbath bags. All right? And we're going to do it around the word hevel. I'm going to guide us through this. So this is something you could come to you, back to and use for prayer. But for us now, have a marker or two in your hand or available. And I'm going to guide us through this process. Remember, the word hevel has all of these kind of dimensions and flavor to it. Words like vapor, smoke, or breath. Insubstantial, vain, futile, meaningless, nonsense, incongruous. Think for a second, what has that word, as you've been going through Ecclesiastes, meant to you? And just in that space right in front of you, you're in community, but just with you and the Lord, I want you to think, what are some things in your life that are hevel? Some things maybe you've been chasing after to find meaning or purpose. And you're gonna write or you can draw, if you're a visual artist, if you want to draw a picture, you're going to write those kinds of things. And think about the clues maybe the teacher's given us, things around our work and toil, pleasures, possessions, our reputation. Take a moment or two and write out 
some of those things that you are tempted to chase that are hevel. drawing kind of the smoky wisps around those words that remind you of their insubstantial nature in light of the solid kingdom of God. And as you look at those words, I want us to practice ceasing from them. I'm going to give you a minute in quiet and maybe say, say, I'm sorry, God for trying to catch the wind, trying to chase after these things. Ask God to help you to stop chasing those things that are wind and smoke. God, we're sorry these things all feel so real and important and urgent. And while they matter to you, God, we know they are heaven. They'll slip through our fingers. God, you invite us to release them as we walk through life in light of our certain passing. And in light of the truth that your coming kingdom is more solid and real than anything here. Have mercy on us, O Lord. We cease and release our lives to you afresh today. Amen. Amen. Well, we'll kind of stay in this posture as we move from ceasing. You'll see the word embrace. And we're going to embrace the
the word together in community. We're going to embrace worship of God and musical worship. And as we do that, I'm about to read our text for the day. I want us to think about attending to the word. You know, Chris, my husband Chris helped us last week to think about um, learning poetry. And as a teacher with students, you know, they, it's, teachers take attendance, right? But attend to attend to, that word is not just about being a body in a room. It's not present as in, I'm here. To attend to is to be present to. Think about that word, right? I'm paying attention. I'm not present just in body, but with my whole self. So I want to read our text to us today. And as the text concludes, the worship team will be up and will take us into a time of embracing God in worship. And at that time, as you're able, we can rise and sing. But hear the word of the Lord from Ecclesiastes chapter 8. And if you want to keep doodling or adding new things that are heavily, you hear from the teacher on your paper, you can do that. Whatever helps you to be attentive. This is Ecclesiastes 8, starting at verse 2. Obey the king's command, I say because you took an oath before God. Don't be in a hurry to leave the king's presence. Don't stand up for a bad cause, for he will do whatever he pleases. Since a king's word is supreme, who can say to him, what are you doing? Whoever obeys his command will come to no harm, and the wise heart will know the proper time and procedure, for there is a proper time and procedure for every matter though a person may be weighed down with misery. Since no one knows the future, who can tell someone else what's to come? As no one has the power over the wind to contain it, so no one has power over the time of their death. No one is discharged in time of war, so wickedness will not release those who practice it. Now, all this I saw as I applied my mind to everything done under the sun. There is a time when a man lords it over others to his own hurt. And then, too, I I saw the wicked buried. Those who used to come and go from this holy place and receive praise in the city where they did this. This, too, is meaningless. When the sentence for a crime is not quickly carried out, people's hearts are filled with schemes to do wrong. Although a wicked person who commits a hundred crimes may live a long time, I know that it will go better with those who fear God, who are reverent before him. Yet, because the wicked do not fear God, it will not go well with them and their days will not lengthen like a shadow. There's something else meaningless that occurs on earth. The righteous who get what the wicked deserve and the wicked who get what the righteous deserve. This too, I say, this is meaningless. So, I commend to you the enjoyment of life. Because there's nothing better for a person under the sun than to eat, and to drink and be glad. Then joy will accompany you and your toil all the days of the life God's given them under the sun. 
When I applied my mind to know wisdom and to observe the labor done under the sun, people getting no sleep day and night, then I saw what God had done. What God had done. No one can comprehend what goes on under the sun. Despite all our efforts to search it out, no one can discover its meaning. Even if the wise claim they know, they can't really comprehend it. Let us see and worship God for all that he has done. As you're able, will you stand and worship with us? bless your name that is above all names. We embrace you as you have embraced us. God, as we continue to honor you in this space, would you teach us what it means to continue to feast, to embrace, to rest, and cease in you. In your name, amen. Thanks, worship team. You all can have a seat. you've joined us since we began, just jump in. We'd love to invite you to a table and grab a snack or some fruit. We're talking about the rhythms of Sabbath. We've um, feasted around the table. We've ceased and released places as we've done the Hevel exercise. We've embraced God and worship of God through music. And now we want to feast a little bit more around the word. So if you were with us last week, um, we were spreading around the room in small groups and we were kind of chewing on and digesting smaller bits of the text from Ecclesiastes. And as Chris taught us, when you approach the kind, this kind of literature, this poetry, this wisdom literature in scripture, there's a way to take it in. And it's not a fast food, right? It's not something you just shove in as fast as you can, right? It's more like that five-course meal, right? That course by course, bite by bite, with all your senses you take in and savor. And so we want to keep practicing that a little bit. Yeah, you can see the images, you know, the contrast of the fast food and the fine dining. And we're going to go to just a short set of verses from chapter 8, which I read, and kind of chew on them a little bit together. Um, And before I send us back to our tables with some guidance, I I want to give another image. So Chris is, you know, helped me think about how we learn poetry. And another thing he does with his students is there's a great Billy Collins poem. He was a U.S. poet laureate. um, And it's about studying poetry. And I just love it. It's called Introduction to Poetry. Uh, Listen to this and see if some of this imagery helps you think about how we could be in the text today. So the poem reads, I asked them to take a poem and hold it up to the light like a color slide or press an ear against its hive. I said, drop a mouse into a poem and watch it find its way out. Or walk inside the poem's room and and feel the walls for a light switch. I wanted them to water ski across the surface of a poem, waving at the author's name on the shore. But all they want to do is tie the poem to a chair with rope and torture a confession out of it. 
They begin beating it with a hose to find out what it really means. Isn't that a great poem? It's just a little poem, right? But there's a way we're like, what does this mean? I want to understand this all right now. Tell me what it means. And we'd rather someone else tell us what it means maybe too, right? But if we come to the text, which is poetry, right? Much of it. What would it be like? It's like, I love that. Drop a mouse and watch it find its way out, right? Feel around all those images. Let those kind of guide your conversation, as we go to the text. So the verses that I want to highlight are from the end of chapter 8. So Press is going to bring those up for us. And you heard this once, but it starts at the, so I commend the enjoyment of life, right? The ecclesiast, the convener, who much like I was, you know, walking around doing, that's how the folks would have heard these teachings. It would have been like hanging out in the marketplace, right? And the teacher's throwing out these teachings and, and, and the folks listening are going, hmm, I don't know about that. What do I think about that? Do I agree? Do I have another idea, right? So at some point, the teacher says, I commend the enjoyment of life because there's nothing better for a person under the sun than to eat and drink and be glad, right? Then joy will accompany them in their toil all the days of the life God has given them under the sun. So that's that first verse. And I actually want us on the next slide, that verse will stay up so you can look at it, but there's a question for your table groups. Do you agree with the teacher? I mean, this has been a theme, right? So I commend, in light of all the hevel, right, under the sun, this is the commendation to us. Do you agree with the teacher? Why or why not? So respond, consider it, and wrestle. And then the second question you might discuss is, how might our Sabbath-keeping focus this year intersect with this recurring commendation from Ecclesiastes? So those are some starter questions. Feel free, follow that mouse wherever it goes around your table, okay? But for introverts, I'm going to give you about 20 seconds of quiet to think about something you might share with a group, okay? (laughs) That just gets the first phrase. So take a moment, and if you like to maybe write out your thoughts, you can grab markers again, but think think about these questions for a second. Well, if you like that question and you want to linger there, I want to give you permission to do so. But let me put up another possible question about that next verse. We're only doing these three verses. The next two verses say, when I applied my mind to know wisdom and to observe the labor that's done on earth, people getting no sleep day or night, then I saw all that God had done. No one can comprehend what goes on under the sun. Despite all their efforts to search it out, no one can discover its meaning. Even if the wise claim they know, they cannot really comprehend it. So if you want to continue on the theme of the enjoyment of life and the commendation to enjoy life, please feel free. But if this part of the text intrigues you, here's a couple questions. Same first one. What do you think of this? Do you agree with teacher? If you were in the room with, you know, the ecclesiast, what would you raise your hand and question? him about or wonder about, right? Do you agree why or why not? And if this is true, how might coming to terms with this reality impact the way you live right now under the sun? Okay, if these verses are true, how does that change the way we live? Take a few more minutes and digest these verses a bit around your table. You're doing a great job. Continue.
Well, I'm curious to hear maybe a few things coming up. These are, uh, you know, these are not entry-level questions. This is getting us a little past what food reminds us of home, right? <laughs> like, now let us go to the mysteries of the universe, right? And the meaning of life. And that's kind of Ecclesiastes is like this. This is challenging. So I just want to say, I want to commend you for your work of pressing in, of trying to feel your way through the text together. Uh, I just would love to hear maybe a couple things that came out around your tables. Um, Preston, if we could go back to the first slide. So as in verse 15, um, yeah, so this is the whole text. I think the next one has the, there we go. So the, around the enjoyment of life and this recurring commendation. And in particular, how does that intersect with us learning about keeping the Sabbath, right? Um, and do we have tension with this? Do we agree? Did anyone, on that question, I would love to hear maybe from one or two people. And feel free to um, volunteer the ideas of a neighbor at your table. Say, like, this person was brilliant, and I bring their thought to the group. And I'm going to come to you with mics just so we can all hear each other. Any thoughts on this first question? Someone willing to start us off? Great. So on, uh, on that, I shared that uh, I, was, I was blessed to be in a Christian family where we gathered around the table every Sunday, mm-hmm. and that it, um, it kind of locked in the uh, peace, the presence, the fellowship at that time. And the other thing about that is, and I kinda rock, this is kind of a takeoff on what Jerry was saying, was you have to be present. Mm. You, you have to be present in that time if you are in yeah. that kind of a table setting not thinking about so much about the future. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe the football game that afternoon, but... <laughs> <laughs> Just keeping an eye on the time. No. So yeah, pre- present. be present. Yeah, that's right. You know, it is amazing how much of life I wonder if we just show up at. We're just bodies in a space, right? But our minds, our hearts, our souls, we're not really present. So I love, I love that. I know at our table we were talking to about there's a way to embrace it and savor the gift of Sabbath, right? But there's also this in moderation, right? That, and paired in Ecclesiastes so much around wisdom, right? How in the midst of that do you prioritize what's really important? So we also don't over kind of indulge or extend ourselves, right, unwisely. So I appreciated that insight. Maybe someone else have a thought about this? Yeah, Wendy. We had a couple of thoughts on joy that mm-hmm. kind of dovetailed. Um, one was that there's joy in community. Yes. And that that's where our relationships are. And then another was that joy is like salt and light. So by living in joy, by enjoying life, we become attractive to those who, who are looking for God, who need Jesus yes. to bring it into more of a New Testament space. Um, that's good. And without that, we're, as Tom said, that's not a very good calling card. Yeah, right. Yeah, that, I mean, that Acts 2 community we looked at, like that last part of that section is, and daily people were being added to their number, right? The spirit of God was moving, the word was going out, but you wonder, what, what was it that was happening around these tables in these neighborhoods that was like, what's going on in there, right? And when they were welcomed in, when they were embraced as they considered Jesus, what did that do? For their faith. That's powerful, right? So then we went in the text here, and we talked about in 16 and 17 this idea of no one can comprehend, and if they say they are, they're liars, right? Basically, to paraphrase, 
Uh, they can't really, we can't know it. And yet, people work with all of their strength, day and night, to try to grapple with it. And then we see what God has done. Right? And we feel that dissonance. Does anyone have a thought maybe around that question? Uh, maybe what their take on it was? Or if it's true, what does that mean for how we actually live day-to-day life? Jim, I'm going to come to you with this mic. Well, I, um, I did a little, um, I'm, a, I'm a word nut, and I, I looked up the actual meaning of the word wisdom. Right, we were building from last week, good, great. It does not mean knowledge of worldly things. Mm-hmm. It literally means knowledge of God. So when I applied my mind to know the knowledge of God, it was too much. Couldn't do it. Mm-hmm. Couldn't get my mind around it. So that left me with no other option but just to focus on the tangible, mm. the daily interactions. Interesting. So we, we live in that tension, right? There's this contrast you saw in the text, and there's this tension. By the way, if you want to be a budding Hebrew or Greek scholar, just come take a picture of the craft table in front of Jim before you go. <laughs> That'll do that. Live in that t- Anyone? I'd love to keep this going. Another thought from this text, it could build off that or be a fresh idea. One of the things that uh, comes to my mind in this scripture is... I ask myself, are we trying to be better than creation? Mm. Are we trying to outdo what God did because we think we're smart mm. and we think we can? Um, and so I, I truly believe that that is where we get ourselves caught. That's where we get off track is we want to be smart. And I believe that God made us smart and he gave us gifts and abilities, but we sometimes, I think, let it get a little bit out of hand where we take our gifts that God gave us and our abilities and we apply it more to, well, I can do this. Look what I did mm-hmm. instead of giving God the credit and instead of celebrating his creation, trying to outdo it. And does, that sounds familiar, doesn't it, friends? Does that sound like Eden? Right? Does that sound like the knowledge of tree of good and evil? Does that sound like Babel building a tower, right, to make a name for ourselves? Does this sound familiar? There's nothing new under the sun. We know the Ecclesiastes got that right. <laughs> this sounds familiar, right? We're still in this dance. And there's an invitation, I think, in this to a profound humility. And what I love about us saying, we're gonna we're gonna really go after Sabbath as a discipline, a communal discipline together, because doing that acknowledges, Sabbath is a radical discipline that acknowledges we are not God. We cannot, we cannot fully comprehend, and we will not, with all that we have, we say, Lord, have mercy. We do not want to keep building towers. We don't want to keep eating the fruit. Make us new, right? Make a different way for us as a people, And there is a different way. There is a different way. And the power of the Spirit, 
The power of the Spirit in the people of God around tables just like this for millennia has unlocked that kind of freedom and joy and power to see a world made new. And God is making all things new. No doubt about it. Yeah, Wendy. You got a sense. You got a word. makes me think a little bit of what Jim was saying. And if you take Eden and Babel and all those in this, even with people's best intentions, it feels like the idea is if I know about God, I can get closer to God. I can get ever closer to God. And that, that's fantastic. Except that God is always saying, that's not how you know me. Mm. You don't know me by knowledge. You know me by heart. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I feel like there's something in that. Yes. And, and the Spirit allows us, right, um, and, and comes alongside and helps us to know God. Jesus points us to the Father, to know the Father. And there's something, I think, about, I think, a, a releasing. There's the ceasing and relinquishing this kind of very um, false notion, right? God draws near to us. He's always been the one who comes near. He's always overcoming separation. And we say, here I am. So we're going to end this morning. We're going to embrace God with a final worship song. Um, But I first want to teach you all a brief prayer that is a form of rest. I think praying with our bodies is actually a form of rest. Sometimes our bodies need a nap. Bless the Lord. Um, Sometimes our bodies need to move right? And that's actually the rest our bodies needs. And I want to teach you all a brief embodied prayer. And the worship team will then take us into our final song. And think of this as both a prayer of rest and of relinquishing, right? Some of these very things that the teacher commends us to consider. So if you're able where you are to stand with me, I invite you to stand. You can do the seated, but if you're able to stand, I ask you to stand. And this is a prayer from Julian of Norwich. And um, Julian was a 14th century Christian mystic and theologian. Kind of interesting. She has um, one of the earliest English um, theological writings is attributed to her as the first writing of a woman. Um, She's in a lot of um, icons. She's with the cat. I don't really know why that is, but I like it. Um, So... (laughs) Um, And she grew up in a time, the 14th century, a time of political and social unrest, right in the middle of the Hundred Years' War and the Black Plague, and lived a lot of her life in quarantine, in isolation. This is uh, a cloud, from the cloud of witnesses, this is a person who understands and has gone before us in many days like this. And she taught a prayer to the people with four movements. And I want to ask you to do these with me. The first one, you're going to put your hands up in front of you like this. And it's a wait. In awaiting, we await God's presence, not as we expect or demand it to come and be with us, but just as it is. We await. Say await. The second move is allow. And you raise your hands up, open, palmed. And we allow a sense of Holy Spirit to come and be among us, be with us. Say allow. Then our hands come to our heart and we say, accept as a gift whatever comes today and in our life. We're not in control. We're not in charge. Say with me, accept. 
And the final move is attend. And there our arms are out in front of us forward, ready to be responsive and active as we go into the world to be the hands and feet of Jesus with humility and love. Say, attend. So do these moves with me and say the words. We await, allow, accept, attend. We're going to do those once more slowly. We can start some music. We'll go through these motions a few times. I'll guide us. And then you can go at your own pace. You can continue to do the prayer or engage in worship. So let's be quiet in our hearts. And together, hold your hands, we say, await. We await your presence, O God. Allow. We allow you, Holy Spirit, to come. Accept. Accept as a gift all you have for us today. And attend. Ready to be responsive. Now we'll just do the motions together again.